G'day folks, welcome to The Music Show, I'm Billy Pinnell. In 1988, I had the opportunity of speaking with Leonard Cohen about his current album, I'm Your Man. The album is universally acclaimed for the quality of Cohen's new songs and the updated contemporary 1980s sound that featured sequences, drum machines, synclavier and synthesizers. Sometimes criticised for his gloominess, Lennon revealed a wry sense of humour and playfulness during our conversation about his current album, while taking the time to reminisce about working with Phil Spector on his 1977 album, Death of a Ladies Man. Leonard was born in 1934 in Montreal in Canada and was a noted poet and novelist before turning to music in the 60s. Cohen has a fanatical following worldwide, including Australia, and is held in the highest esteem by his fellow artists. Last year, Jennifer Warnes recorded an album of Leonard Cohen compositions called Famous Blue Raincoat. And before we play our interview with Leonard Cohen, I'd like you to hear just a brief extract of my interview with Jennifer Warnes from last year, where she talks a little bit about Leonard Cohen. I feel that Leonard himself has a certain power that is indescribable unless you've been in his presence. Um... Uh, especially the, his, his friends, the circle of friends that all know him. I'm certainly only one of many. Uh, all have that same feeling that he, they, he's extremely special. And it's hard to explain that unless you can actually sit down and have a cup of coffee with the man and do something ordinary, like take a walk down the street with the man. You'll understand what I mean. It's, it's very hard to explain. He has a... High regard for human life, and when you are near, uh, you feel that someone has a high regard for you, much beyond your parents ever gave you. Uh, it's a different feeling, and um, and he does that more by just how he he uh, carries himself than what he says or what he does. It's something having to do with a view of the world that I don't see in other people's. Uh, hearts. I, I've looked high and low, to tell you the truth, to see if he was just one of a kind. And he really is just one of a kind. Before I talk to you about your new album, may I just ask you about the famous Blue Raincoat record that you collaborated on with Jennifer Warnes. You must have been very pleased with her interpretations of your songs. Well, you know, I love Jennifer, and uh, I love almost everything she does, so that uh, when she did an album of mine, I was especially delighted. That girl really knows how to sing. It's interesting, isn't it, that it took um, a long while for anybody else to really attempt to do an album entirely of your material. Why do you think that was? Well, I don't know. My name had become kind of a joke in the uh, record offices of America, so uh, she was laughed out of a lot of uh, a lot of meetings. Nobody thought that uh, that record would have any um, you know possibility of success in the marketplace. It did very well in Australia, too. Yeah? How did it do that? Did it get on the charts and that sort of thing? Well, the single did particularly well. First, we take Manhattan, and the album would have made um, or well into the top 20. Oh, yeah, great. Great. I noticed that you've recorded a couple of songs that were on uh, Jennifer's album, and that the best known, of course, is First, We Take Manhattan. May I just ask you, was there a political motivation behind the writing of that song? Yeah, kind of demented, demented political uh, idea. Um, 
not as serious day-to-day uh, -day, uh, uh, governmental uh, idea, but uh, a kind of wilder idea of, uh, of resistance, yeah. I notice there are two more verses in your version than there was in Jennifer's. Are there any more that you didn't put in? There's about 75 verses that I wrote. I filled up four or five notebooks with verses. And uh, I, I, I recorded originally, then uh, Jennifer heard it, and we kind of came up with a short version for her song. Hers is a real anthem. Mine is a kind of demented geopolitical... Uh,
And I don't like these drugs that they keep you thin. I don't like what happened to my sister. Us, we take Manhattan. Then we take Berlin. Originally, to make the transition from poet and author to songwriter. Well, actually, I started off as a as a uh, songwriter and musician. I, I started off playing in a in a country western band when I was sixteen or seventeen. I was always playing guitar and writing at the same time. There was it wasn't really a dramatic decision one way or the other. I continued to do both, kind of see them as part of the same activity. It's interesting you should mention um, country music because on a song called Tower of Song, um, where your wry sense of humour comes through, you refer to your golden voice and you also um, call upon Hank Williams for advice. Do you get a bit annoyed sometimes that people often miss the fact that you have got a very good sense of humour? They appear to um, paint you as being a very serious person most of the time. Oh, yeah, I got tagged for being the prophet of gloom and despair. Uh, it's true, a lot of my songs are serious and some of them are but uh, people seem to have overlooked that other side of things over the years. Well, my friends are gone and my hair is gray. 
Long after I'm gone. Down, 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 down. 
Another Canadian songwriter, Joni Mitchell, had one of her early songs recorded by Judy Collins, and I believe Judy also did the same with one of your very first songs. Yes, she was one of the first... Well, she was the first person to bring uh, that song, Suzanne, to any prominence. It had been recorded a couple of times before, but her version struck home, and it's a very beautiful version of the song. And then she also recorded... Uh, she also recorded... He left no way to say goodbye and kisses of mercy and famous blue raincoat over the years. I think the Jennifer's famous blue raincoat is the definitive version of that song. Just to get back to Tower of Song again, uh, the vocal chorus is reminiscent of the Crystals, I think. Was that just sheer coincidence? No, not really. Uh, we, Jennifer came up with that doo-wop chorus, and uh, I thought it was great. Now, speaking of the Crystals, of course, they were one of Phil Spector's groups, and amazingly, he produced an album with you, Death of a Ladies' Man, in 1977. How did such an unlikely combination come about? Phil came to a concert I gave at the Troubadour in Los Angeles, and he rarely went out, so it was supposed to be a great uh, accolade to me that he came out. Then he invited me back to his house, and he... uh, it was very hospitable, but he locked all the doors and wouldn't let me leave. So uh, I said, well, listen, Bill, since you've locked me in here, uh, it's kind of boring, so let's, let's, start, let's write some songs. So we, we started writing, and we, we wrote uh, over the next month or so uh, 10 or 12 songs. And uh, I thought they were pretty good songs. I'm not crazy about the production. I think Bill Medley probably should have sung them. Is Phil as unusual a person as we're led to believe? He's a he's a very unusual man and uh, a very charming man, uh, working one to one. But in the studio, he uh, he was uh, rather extravagant in his uh, working methods. There was a lot of guns around. Uh, a lot of bodyguards. Uh, not uh, not the greatest atmosphere to work in. No, I was going to say, wouldn't be the most conducive atmosphere to make music, would it? Not the greatest. Uh, you know, I remember walking over to me at about three in the morning with the 
bottle of wine in one hand and a 45 in the other. Put his arm around my shoulders, sticking the gun into my neck and saying, uh, I love you, Leonard. <laughs> things like that, things like that did, did not increase the, the, uh, the musical uh, possibilities. Lynn, there's another song I like very much on the album called Jazz Police. Does the title in any way refer to Czechoslovakia, where it actually is a crime to play jazz music? Well, I, 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 the song operates on a lot of uh, levels. Uh, one of the levels is uh, like the, the difference between the, you know, the, the Soviet idea and the American idea. And, uh, you know, even though we have our own problems and our own forms of censorship, uh, you know, I, I say that, you know, they will never understand our culture, they'll never understand the jazz police. Uh, it's true we have censorship, but, uh, you know, they don't kill you for it over here. Can you tell me why the bells are ringing? Nothing's happened in a million years. I've been sitting in here since Wednesday morning Wednesday morning came to leave my ears Jazz police are looking through my folders Jazz police are talking to my niece Jazz police have got their final orders Jazz have dropped your access, jazz police Jesus taking serious violence Jesus taken joyous by a few. Jazz police are paid by J. Paul Kenny. Jazz is paid by J. Paul Kenny too.
Now, you've been involved in film writing of late. You wrote uh, the score for a film called Night Magic. What was the movie about? The movie was uh, shot in Montreal. It was about, uh, it was about a, a broken-down rock singer who uh, was granted some wishes. And uh, he wishes for fame and fortune and the stories about what happened to him. Not crazy about the film, but the um, uh, the music's good. Uh, the lyrics are not bad. Uh, it has some nice moments in it. And did you enjoy your acting role in Miami Vice? Oh yeah, I had about twelve seconds. So that was great. What part did you play? I played a. Uh, I think I was the chief of Interpol. Would you like to do some more things like that? No, I did that because uh, they'd asked me to. They'd asked me to uh, do a cameo appearance a couple of times, and I refused. But when my kids found out that I refused, they got very upset and they made me promise. And the next time I was asked, I would accept. So I did accept. I didn't tell them, and you know, I had that great pleasure of, of having them watch the show as they did every Friday night, and then called me up saying, Dad, we saw you on Miami Vice. They could tell all their mates at school, couldn't they? Exactly. They said, you can't do this to, to us, Dad. You know, it's uh, too many social opportunities missed at school if you don't go on to Miami Vice. Is there any chance of an Australian tour in the near future? Yeah, there's a good chance of it. I know you've got a, a oh. big you've got a big following here and people that knew I was going to talk to you this morning, it's morning where I'm calling from, Asked me to specifically ask you that question. Yeah, it looks like we're going to come down there. Look, may I offer you my congratulations on the new record, I'm Your Man, and just thank you for the wonderful music that you've brought to a lot of Australians. Oh, that's very nice of you to say so. I appreciate that. Thanks very much for your time, Leonard. Okay, man. See you later. Cure, there ain't no cure, there ain't no cure for 
are climbing through the sky. The whole air books are open wide. The doctors working day and night, but they'll never ever find that cure for love. Subway, and I, I see you on the bus. I see you lying down with me. I see you waking up. I see your hand. I see your hair, your bracelets and your brush. And I call to you. I call. But I don't call soft enough. There ain't no cure. There ain't no cure. There ain't no cure for love. I walked into this empty church. I had no place else to go. When the sweetest voice I ever heard. Whisper to my soul. I don't need to be forgiven for loving you so much. It's written in the scripture. It's written there in blood. I even heard the angels declaring from. The doctors working day and night, but they'll never ever find that cure. Recorded six studio albums after I'm Your Man. The last one was released two weeks before his death on November the 7th, 2016, at the age of 82. Thanks for allowing me to share these interviews with you on The Music Show. I'm Billy Pinnell. Take care of each other and love the music.